Hi, everybody. Mike Shope, Edwin Krautwurst. Welcome to our Deep End podcast tonight. High stakes is the focus. We are getting close, three weeks and two days to the opener. We're going to talk a little bit of FFWC tonight, a player profiler draft we did together. We'll show the board, and I've got questions. I've been making like I have all the answers lately. You know, I went to the expo, and oh, I'm, I'm one of these people. But when I looked at this draft today in preparation for tonight, I'm like, I have a long way to go. So we'll do that. It's Madonna's birthday, like a prayer appropriate when we look at my board, my <laughs> team, the FFWC. We'll talk some expo and some recent news, a couple of running backs. Everybody's talking about going the wrong directions. Thanks for listening and watching. Mike and Adam, welcome to the deep end. Are you too young for Madonna, like to appreciate her power or what? Definitely. I'm definitely too young. 19, <laughs> take, 1984. Take, take your time. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, don't, I just wasn't into it. Like, I'm not too young to understand Michael Jackson's power, but I think he was just, uh, you know, just a, he was bigger, better than her, I think. But mm. yeah, I wasn't, uh, I don't know a lot about Madonna. Oh boy. Oh Careful. boy. Careful. Uh, <laughs> well, they had different types of power. You know, they had some the same and then some that they were different. Um, King of pop, queen of pop. Apparently, she's known as the queen of pop, which I've never said before today or heard or used. King of pop. Oh, yeah, Michael Jackson, king of pop. Madonna, it's such a, an amazingly perfect one name for an artist. Like, you don't need a nickname. And nicknames are beneath her. Well, that it. Yeah, I mean, is that that's not her real name, right? I mean, that is a nickname. It is. That is uh, yeah, that's right. It is. Madonna is cool. her real name. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. well, yes. that's perfect then. Absolutely perfect. I like it. Okay. So, happy birthday, Madonna. 64 today. I'm feeling that. All right. Anyway, let's keep it clean here, Adam. Come on. The expo <laughs> was last weekend. Just two days ago, we got back from Canton, Ohio. One to ten for the for you on the expo. One to ten. Oh, um, close to ten. I mean, it was a lot of fun. It would have I would have said ten, but you know, I came in third in the poker tournament, so <laughs> uh, it would have been an absolute ten if I came in first. Uh, weekend started off with the poker turn, like immediately get there poker. Uh, ran, ran really hot. Um, ran prior, you know, all my, when I got it in with the best hand, it, it won. Um, play, so I played re really well. And then at the end there, uh, that kind of reverse happened. I think I took a couple bad beats. The last two or three hands were bad beats, not horrible, but, um, yeah, it came in third, uh, Jamar or, um, yeah, Jamar chase autograph football for third place. Absolutely. Which you it. left in my car. Which had left in your car, along with the gift card for one hundred and eighty-five dollars. So uh, Julius might be walking around in a brand new jersey or something. You he gotta is, watch out. Yes, he is. Yeah, Davis right. Mills. He is. Davis Mills autograph. That's the right. full one eighty-five, by the way. Yep, the full one eighty-five. So uh, yeah, great, great starts. Met a ton of great people. Um, watched some a little bit of flag football. Um, also talked to people that I don't get to see often. You know, Billy. Musio was there, hung out with him. Bradley Stalder hung out with Go Bills, the FFPC main event champs. Uh, 
Sean and Nick and uh, two thirds mm. of that team. Uh, Fantasy Mojo. It was just a wonderful weekend. Holy cow! Am I scared of those guys in the coming weeks? I mean, they're in the bare knuckle. They told me Nick and Sean told me what they were doing to prep. Here I have been all summer, like, oh, I, everything is prep. You know, I'm just every podcast episode, every draft. I'm over 170 drafts. Like, I'm ready, and I think I am. But like, oh, they're getting together every week, and one guy turns his back to the TV and shouts out names out loud. Like it's flashcards, you know. It's just sort of. Anyway, I've I've thought since last year, since after it last year, but even a little bit before. Like I'm confident about this. I can do it. This is 28 rounds, 30 second clock in Las Vegas after the Bills Rams game to open the season. Amazing, amazing challenge. I'm going to Vegas because of this. I mean, I wasn't even going to go, but. I wanted to be back in there and try again. So I I think I can do it or almost even know after last year I can do it. Finished fifth. But um, other people can also do it. And those two guys working together to prep are to be reckoned with. And Scott Connor and then Mongooses who won. It's going to be hard, but I'm going to love it. Well, yeah, the the, the hard part too about it is not only do you got to remember everything, but you also have to draft the right team. <laughs> so it's like they can yeah. remember stuff. I mean, they're they're obviously very they're obviously great drafters, but you know, um, you you can remember stuff all you want, but if you if you remember all the crappy players that you want to pick, uh, it doesn't really help. You know, you still got you still got to draft well. Well, so much is happening at all kinds of different sites. Everybody's having a great time, getting ready for the season, just sort of barreling in. I think, and we want to. Talk about our friends at the FFWC tonight and the Player Profiler Tournament. So last, wow, this was only a week ago. Last Tuesday night, we did a Draft Sharks Invitational podcast. And then at, I'm, I'm always wired after these. Like I'm never, it's never right to right. bed after this That's right. for me. Like it's at least, a, yeah. it's like watching the, the Sunday night game. I'll watch the Sunday night game and look at my scores and watch the game. And then it'll be like 1.30. I'm 50 years old. It'll still be two more hours after those games are over (laughs) when I fall asleep. So that is how this tends to be. And I'm up at 1115 and there's Adam on Twitter, two spots left in the player profiler. (laughs) Like, okay, well, I don't need both. I don't need both. And then I realize after I sign up and make the deposit and sign up, I'm like, oh, this is not going to start until 1145, right? (laughs) Yeah. Last Tuesday, right? 1145. Yeah. So if you like, we're gonna show the board in a minute. If you like my team, thanks. If you don't, eleven forty-five start after the, and then in the morning, right? Wake up in the morning, say hi to the kids and the wife, and make some coffee. Off to Rochester for the Draft Sharks. That's right. Podcast at eleven, which we are doing tomorrow. What Actually, a life. Just to tell you, I know I'm not. This is not a complaint. I love it. <laughs> you know, you try to as you get older, especially you try to find ways to feel like you're, you know, still alive, still sort of a part of the world. So I'm going on vacation from WGR uh, after today, and we're going on a camping trip, and we have an RV that we're renting, Mm. and I have to go get that at 8 in the morning. So I can't stay up. I'm not doing the profiler tonight. No offense, Bill or you guys. That's right. That's not going to – I say that now. It's not going to happen for me tonight. (laughs) You, you you, You get a long day of driving tomorrow. For sure. It's a 31 foot house. I'm going to drive off, oh you know, God. off the lot and down the street to Grand Island over the bridge. And then when I get there, I'll be like ready to throw up and, you know, relieved right back on the road to see you and Matt Schauf tomorrow morning. Uh, oh. for the podcast, and then right oh back gosh. to Buffalo. 
Love it. Love it. I so, thought I complained uh, of bragging. Well, good, good good luck with that with that house on wheels. I hope I hope you uh, hope I hope you know what you're doing. Um, but to the player profiler, <laughs> <laughs> um, just a little breakdown for people who don't know a ton about what this is. This is the FFWC. Their it's their mid stakes event, um, and uh, so just to kind of go over the starting lineup requirements before I show the board. Um, one quarterback, two running backs, three receivers, one tight end, two flex. Um, and so it's, 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 it's a, it's a tournament. So you're still want to draft with, with that in mind, you know, we'll have multiple teams in this. We've drafted in this a couple of times already. Uh, it's a really cool format. Um, Billy Musio and Scott Atkins have done a great job with this. So, um, and yeah, it's a lineup setting. It's not best ball. Um, so you guys are, people are familiar with tournaments similar to this. Um, so I'm going to bring up the, the board here and we can go through this. So yeah, like you said, it was late at late at night and full, full, full disclosure. Um, I fell asleep with two rounds to go in this draft. I mean, it was <laughs> one o'clock in the morning. It was one o'clock in the morning. I don't at know least. what I was at least. Yeah. It was past one at one o'clock in the morning and Billy's always make. So Billy was in this Billy Musio. He picked from the two. two. He was, he's Glenn Fittick, Fittich, whatever that is. Um, you were three and I was eight. And so he's met, he said, I wake up in the morning to messages like, Hey, either you've, you're, you're, you're drunk or you fell asleep. Cause you can see at the bottom, we'll just, we'll just talk about the elephant in the room. <laughs> uh, Ravens, Bills, Watson and Fields. So I took two, two, <laughs> two kickers, uh, two off two uh, quarterbacks after I already had a quarterback. Uh, so yeah, I'm, and I didn't even take a defense and I need a defense eventually. So, uh, no defense. Least, yeah. And, and to be honest, I, I felt the eyes getting out oh, yeah. people who do a lot of these drafts and stuff. They, they know these late night drafts, they know what can happen. I queued up players, but they just all went. <laughs> so, uh, I don't feel that bad, but what was your, these, Adam, Go ahead. these are FFWC. Yep. I think a lot of high stakes players are looking around for soft spots I mean, I don't mean this as a reason to not play FFWC. I mean, that's the challenge. That's the beauty of it. But this is not that. I mean, this is not soft. I, I feel like these guys are real pros in here. Um, and I think this draft reflects that. Would you not agree? I completely agree. I mean, this might have been um, – I mean, and I always struggle with, like, being a player and, like, wanting to fill drafts. Um, and I actually heard, like, the um, the ship-chasing guys talking about this the other, the other day where – you know, a lot of times they don't want to tweet out that they're in a draft because they don't want the sharps to come in. I feel the same way. Like, I, let's like I struggle. Like, hey, there's two spots left. Do I want to draft or do I want to draft in a, in a softer room? Like, the two guys who came in were you and Billy. Like, well, those are the two, you know I don't want to draft against you guys, but I, but I also want to draft. So it's like it's it, it's torn. If you're looking for like soft rooms in the main event here, um, it, it's it's not this isn't the place to really go if you're looking for a super soft room because, you know, Chad Schroeder is in every draft over here. Billy's in every draft over here in these main events. It's good kind of competition. The payouts are wonderful, but if you, uh, but don't yeah. think that the best players aren't playing over, over here. Isn't it the best, the least rake? Uh, it, it, or I, I think it's one of, I don't know about the actual rake percentage. I do know that their main event here at the FFWC pays out uh you can you can win 10 grand in your main event league 
Um, so I know that that's a pretty cool thing because I know a lot of the other places, main events don't, don't do that. So it's a little higher payout to the actual league winner, which is pretty cool. But obviously I don't think they're at a million dollars up top. I know, I I know they're not at a million dollars up top. So, but well, they're um, all different and people have different goals, you know, like, sure. I, I think about sometimes you and I last year or maybe two years ago, but there was one episode of the deep end when I was just learning, I'm like, Oh, well, you know, this tournament, uh, at least you can win your your money in the regular season. And you're like, actually, you can't. There is no money for that. And right. so people talk about formats in terms of your roster, how many starters. This is three wide receivers. Three, like, yes. Actually, I'm asking. So n- the importance of knowing that. But there's also in a tournament, it's also important to know like that, that balance, that ratio between the regular season and the tournament how many people are in it, how many people advance, all those things. Other websites are all about that, and they all vary. So, um, I mean, you, you can never know too much, but in terms of tournament strategy, I think that that's probably useful also, is how many people are advancing, how much money is there just to win the league. Because at, at times, last year, there was big money in a tournament pool, but I, was, I thought maybe the best strategy sometimes was to ignore that. And, you know, try to build a team. If other people are playing correlation in different things, maybe there's an edge in uh, playing for the 12-teamer. So, anyway, the point is what? The point is the same as every other point in, in these shows, which is, like, just pay attention to as many things as you can. Yeah, and I will say, too, the cool thing about FFWC is that they're, they're – so the bye weeks aren't in their playoffs. So they run – like the league playoffs, they coincide, I think, with the overall race. I'll have to uh, – Billy wasn't able to join us tonight, but I'll have to um, find out that for sure, and I'll put that with the tweet out about the, about the show just to confirm it. I think the league playoffs run concurrently with the with the overall championship so that you're not um, – so that you can you can still kind of qualify for, for both and not have to have them um, ruin your whole s- season – by being in the actual league playoffs and keeping you out. Cause I know the week 13, week 14 buys are a thing to discuss for some other tournaments. So, but, um, but yeah, so we can, we can get into it here. So what do you want to do? You want to go round by round? You want to go team by team? What, what, what are you thinking? I want to start at the end. Okay. By the way, is the NFL trolling fantasy players by putting six teams on by in week 14? Like, don't it's, they know? Probably. Can't you just move it up? It seems it's like so it's almost strange. an unfair advantage for the teams that get that, that late buy. All right. So, you mentioned already elephants in the room, Watson and Fields at the end. I want to know, what will you do about it? So say Watson plays, he gets suspended for 12 games, and he sues, and he's on the field week one in Carolina. Justin Fields, Trey Lance, they're playing each other in week one. Who's your starter? Like, What do you want to do with the yeah. fact that you have these three quarterbacks? Yeah, so, yeah, I think think I would I'm probably leaning on more on cutting fields if I have to choose if Watson's on the field week one I would probably just cut fields and go Lance Watson because Watson has the upside to be a top five receiver I'm sorry top five quarterback whereas Mm -hmm. fields like I wouldn't have even drafted fields in the last round there like I would have just taken Watson and not even drafted him so I'm perfectly okay with with cutting him I'm perfectly okay with cutting him so um that's that's the route I would I would go lean something like that with with, with the son Watson, and then um, cut Fields. And if and if if it's the other way around, then I would um, keep Fields and get rid of Watson. Either way, I'm easy. I'm comfortable do, do, doing that. 
Yeah, I mean, you're not going to want to house three or two kickers, but you are going to, um, you know, maybe find an edge there and have to figure out other positions and who's on waivers. By In every league, by the, the preseason week, the week before week one or into week one, there are going to be fines on waivers that everybody wants. And a couple of names are kind of obvious already on August 16th with uh, three more weeks of this, or at least two plus more weeks of this in terms of that. So that's, uh, you're going to want to have, like I, I look at leagues where I drafted say Tim Patrick and I have a few of those and it's terrible for him, but I know like that's a spot where I'm, I'm going to have a sort of an automatic cut where it's easy. And I think with these quarterbacks, it, it might not be easy to know what you want to do. Yeah, I, I completely agree with, with with that. I don't know which one it's going to be, um, but, I mean, I, I don't hate the Watson pick there either, you know. So we'll we'll see um, what ends up happening. I mean, I'll obviously be cutting one of these, although they're I love both these. Deep, I mean, all oh, these kickers, never mind, never mind. Um, I was gonna, I'll obviously be cutting because <laughs> I, need, I need to pick up. Well, it's hard. Like, I love – Team kicker and team and obviously the defense would be a team team defense, but it, it look with with PK Bills, like it just has in my mind that it's the defense because it's the actual I know doesn't say bass right. <laughs> I was like, oh, I actually like both of those defenses. No, no, never mind. I have neither of them. So, um, yeah, obviously be, be cutting a kicker, um, and cutting one of those quarterbacks, and I'll you know so uh, there'll be room room to move here here. Okay, so uh, now I'll ask you, where do you want to start? Yeah, let's start with um, let's start with with my with with my team here, and just a general thought process about these. The FFWC leagues are they're sharp, and with the with the starting three receivers and starting two flexes, uh, the receivers go like crazy, um, and so that makes it 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 makes it hard to transition if you're used to not playing this. But the receivers go go like crazy. I mean, you see, we're through. Let's see, so through five rounds. You've got 34 receivers. I mean, you're at Adam Thielen right. at the end of the fifth round. I mean, it's just it's just receiver heavy. So you really have to uh, – I learned the hard – so I did a main event here a couple of weeks ago, and I tried to zig – like I tried to go with uh, the two running back start. I just ended up hating my team. I feel like I'm really thin at receiver. Um, so here I said, you know what? I'm not used to taking C.D. Lamb like – I'm okay with taking Lamb after Diggs in general as like the wide receiver five, but I'm not used to taking him at eight overall. So, but I, yeah. you know what? Sometimes you got to get uncomfortable uh, with, the, with the, this type of stuff. And so I, I started with CD Lamb and I said, um, whatever. He, that's, I have him as my wide receiver five. So I'll take him there. And then I just kept that, I kept going. And then I went Tyree Kill in the second. So my, my plan going into the first two rounds was I want to get out of here with two receivers, no, no matter what, because. I know what it's like not going receiver in this type of draft, and I absolutely hate it. <laughs> <laughs> it really is the inverse of other sites and formats where I know from talking to you uh, even recently, you want to get the running backs down and then figure it out. And this is really the opposite of that, where I'm getting the receivers in early. And that's where I sort of didn't understand that or at least do that. I'm not sure I'm necessarily going to lose but uh i did not think that way it was so late <laughs> oh sure yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> just terrible well, but what's interesting though too is like i mean you were able to get 
two solid running backs and then get back on receiver. And the thing is you can do it in these formats. You can go look, if you look at team team 12, he went or he or she, they went um, cook Barkley running back, running back, but then they got fine. Mike Williams, Allen Robinson, Adam Thielen. I actually like that. The problem is you can, even when you go with three, you still, you want to start two more. Like you want to start five receivers. You want to start as many receivers as these places will allow you to. So then like when you get away from receiver, like you're you're not going to, your, your flexes, you want to dominate the flex in the, in these tournaments. And he might, they, they might with either, Elijah Mitchell Pollard. I mean, I love Pollard Stevenson now is rising. So this might be a, a bad example of that because he could end up getting two good flexes out of there. But for the most part, you want to start all your flexes want to be receivers. And it's just hard to get four or five good ones when you don't start with one or two of them. So um, that's kind of the route that I went with uh, trying to get those two receivers. And then I continued on with Kyle, Kyle Pitts. Um at this point, everyone knows how I feel about about Kyle Pitts. I think he's going to be amazing. In fact, in the um, he has been running in line. Um, they were saying that he ran. I forget what the what, what the numbers were, but already in scrimmages and in preseason games, he's running more against linebackers, more in line and at the tight end spot, which is a which is just what we want to hear. Um, so you know, I'm definitely on Kyle Pitts, and I love Brees Hall there in the fourth as kind of my number one running back and kind of another reason why I kind of like waiting on running back in these formats because you can get, you know, uh, good running backs later on, and we'll probably talk about some. So you have Godwin and Gage. Yes. Let's assume, let's assume that is what you meant to do. Uh, yes. I have Claypool and Pickens. And pretty good chance, Adam, we go to week one, and Godwin is active – but who knows what that is? Yep. Let's say Brady is back and it's, you know, they're, he's active, but no one really knows what kind of volume or what kind of role he'll play. Claypool Pickens, of course, they'll both be active. Who knows what they'll do? I mean, so the idea of drafting two receivers on the same team that in your case and mine, even, even though it was later with Pickens, because I ended up waiting longer on four and five wide receivers, you have to make a decision there. Would you start them both? Like, do you foresee yourself starting Godwin and Gage if they're both, if Godwin is active week one? I don't know. Probably not. So one of my flexes for this specific team every week is probably going to be Dallas Goddard. Goddard. Because when you, when, when, when you take a bet on a tight end that high, um, you're going to want to start him in the, in the flex and Goddard's worth it to me. Like I'm super high in Dallas Goddard. So he will probably be one of my flexes every week, depending on, you know, what type of matchups my, my receivers have, um, you know, that type of thing. Um, but so I, I don't want to rule any, anything out. I mean, Gage I, hasn't been, hasn't been practicing and him and Mike Evans aren't going to practice this week. That, that receiving core is interesting. That receiving core is mm-hmm. a lot of talent for guys that, that you like, but is Godwin going to end up on the pup? Uh, is how is Julio Jones feeling? Is Gage going to be okay? Mike Evans had a little hamstring issue. Like they might all be active that you might only have two of them active. So I, that's kind of a wait and see. My idea behind this was to kind of hedge the bet there. I know you don't love to hedge in tournaments, but hedge the bet there. If Godwin's out for on, on, on the pop or just not ready week one, and Gage is ready to play. I think Gage will be an awesome spot there to go as my, um, as my, maybe my second flex 
or or whatever. So um, I really like kind of doing that. And, and again, in a format where you want to start five receivers um, and you have to start three, I think sometimes making that play um, to kind of stack them from the same team there isn't a bad idea uh, because sometimes it's, it's it's your best option once you get down to wide receiver 46 in round eight. By the way, are you slowing down on Tampa? <sighs> Define s- slowing down. Like I don't, I don't have uh I don't have great vibes when I'm, when I'm, when I'm, when I'm drafting them, I don't think I'm slowing down. It's just hard to, to gauge what's going on there. Like guys are dinged up. Um, you know, Brady's been away from the team. Uh, the offensive line is, you know, they lost two or three linemen. Um, so it's hard to like have great vibes from them. Um, but who knows? They might come out week three of the preseason and light it up. Julio looks incredible. Evans looks great. And it's just like, okay, you know, Fournette's running well, but so I probably am slowing down a little if that's, if that's what, if that's what that means. One more thing about your point of how wide receivers just go fast in FFWC is the first quarterback went at five, seven. So different formats, tight end premium, you know, not, not super flex, but different things. When do you ever see home leagues? It happens in round two. When do you see the right. first quarterback go at five seven in this? Yes. All right. Sorry. Economy. I mean, with, when you think about what quarterbacks are capable of this year, the top six or seven guys. So it was so late, Adam. I'm not sure you remember the, your thoughts, but when you're through even round three, let alone round four, half round five, and Allen hasn't gone yet, is that a signal to you? I think it should be, like for anybody to wait one or two rounds longer on quarterbacks, or does it catch up? Because I, I picked Murray at 8-10, and, I'm, and that was quarterback six, I think. And I'm like, all right, love quarterback six, love 8-10, but I'm not sure in the big picture that was right. Uh, I think that was absolutely right. So here's the thing. It went from – and this is I'm, – I'm, I'm really glad you brought this up because – something I was thinking about talking today and someone asked me on, on, on Twitter about, about the quarterbacks in these drafts. Um, it went from like waiting on quarterback. I, I'm going to wait and wait and wait. And that was kind of what the sharps were doing for years and years and years. Now it's gone from like waiting on quarterback to, and I guess it depends on what style of draft you're in. This is a tournament. So I'm going to use this as a tournament play um, for all the, and this applies to all the sites. Um, it, it goes from waiting on quarterback to, just don't be the guy that takes the first one because let those guys drop and drop and drop. So nobody loves Josh Allen more than I do, but I don't see him this year as being a head and shoulders. Number one guy, no doubt about it. He is certainly um, has the highest floor and he's the most, and he's going to be consistent and he's, and he's, and he has the, you know, the, maybe the least amount of bust p- potential because of his rushing and his receipt and his throwing. But as far as being like his ceiling being the highest, I don't necessarily think that that's true. Uh, I have Murray who you, who you drafted as my QB one because of the rushing and throwing ceiling and the weapons that he's going to have around him. And the importance of having these quarterbacks, the reason why I brought up tournament is having these quarterbacks that smash at the three week race. Do you want, you, you know, you, you can get, you can stream quarterback during the year that they, that can get you through, right? You can go ahead and you can take two middle of the road guys, a Trevor Lawrence, a Kirk Cousins, a Derek Carr, they'll get you through. But if you want to win the big bucks up top, you need 
a quarterback that's going to smash. So that is one of those elite guys, you know, or that's a, Hey, let's wait and do what I did. Maybe take a, take a Trevor Lance or a Jalen hurts. Who's kind of up there in that, in, in that tier now, but I want one of those guys, but I don't want to be the, 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 the drafter that takes the first one. And I might not even really want the one that takes the second one, but like once that first one goes, you see it start to go. I mean, Tom Brady went QB two, which I've never yeah. seen, I haven't seen yet this year at all. Um, and Prescott, uh, <laughs> yeah, Prescott four to the same to, to to the same team. I don't know. I haven't looked. It didn't look like he was trying to do a stack there or anything. No, so I don't know what that was no. all about. But um, he wasn't very patient for a patient man. Uh, but mm. uh, but generally speaking, like yeah, just and I've had these discussions in doing slow main main events. We had a we had a chance to take. Allen at the four or five turn. And I was, and I was completely against it and we waited and we got Murray at the six, seven turn. So I think you want one of these elite quarterbacks now because of the tournament aspect. I think the waiting and waiting on quarterback isn't necessary. I want an elite one, but you can get Patrick Mahomes is QB five. Great for the race. You can get Trevor Lance or Trey Lance QB nine, Jalen hurts QB eight guys that have massive upsides during these races uh, the three week race, and you don't need to spend uh, a fifth a fifth round pick on it. So I'm okay. Let the quarterbacks fall. Let the quarterbacks fall. Let Josh Allen keep falling and falling. It's not about where um, they're going. It's about once they start to go, which one you get. Where the puck is going, right? Um, exactly. Team team six in front of you, right or seven, seven. Colsheen. Yeah. So. I get it. Don't be the one to take the quarterback first, but he's at five seven. Yeah. Diggs, Camara, ETN, Judy. How could he not? Right? Like in that case, sure. I'm taking Josh Allen and let's figure the rest out. What a great head start for uh for his team. Then three more receivers. That's really well done. It is it is well done. And I and I, and I love Traylon Burke. And I I don't even want to bring it up because one pick. If you take if you change one pick, it can affect the entire the entire draft. So I don't want to say like, hey, but what if he went, you know, Chris Godwin and then came back with Kyler Murray two rounds later because that might affect the entire draft. But I still just in that range, if he would have taken one of those receivers and then waited and went in the range later and gotten Mahomes or Kyler Jackson, I still like that okay. better. But okay. I totally, I totally get it. I mean, that's a beautiful. I mean, that's a really really nice start. Um, Diggs, Kamara, Etn, Judy. And he's still got Allen and you know Cooper Burks more. So I do really like that. Look at that. P- Pacheco in round 12. Uh, oh, wow. so um, but no, I was I, there. I, I do like the start. <laughs> were were you away? Uh, was I asleep by then? I don't even know. You you might have been, but I was not because I, <laughs> I thought it was important. So we drove the four hours back from the expo on Sunday from Canton to Buffalo and then to Rochester in Adam's case. And we're talking about Pacheco and these guys, you know. And also looking at old drafts, I'm driving Adam and Louie G are looking up old drafts on their phones. And, you know, I thought it was kind of cool, but I know I'd heard of Pacheco pretty early on and drafted him. So the first thing I did when I got home was go to the, go to the site and see like, find me the Pacheco teams, you know, and a lot of them are just, he's on, he's in free agency. So if he actually works out, he's going to be above Elijah Mitchell last year, I think in terms of the first, waiver run if if like he makes it and and jones is caught or things like that but 
Then I found a, a board of mine from May 4th where I drafted Pacheco and I, I'm like all excited, you know, I'm sort of taking the screen grab of it and then getting the text ready for Adam and Louie. And luckily right before I sent it, I'm like, calm down. You know, you don't, you don't need to send them your, your uh, victory lap on Pacheco on May 4th. Just relax. You know, he's you not even there yet. Do. It's fun. That's what it's, I mean, he's isn't not, that a great, it's, what a great time just looking up old draft board, old draft boards. It from is fun. Day. It is it's fun. so much fun. It's so much fun. But listen, that's why you build portfolios. And, and that's why you, we do this for months and months is about getting those values. But let's talk a little bit about Pacheco. I mean, that's the kind of, he's kind of the hot topic. Some people are completely off of him. Some people are completely on him. My here's, I was thinking about this t- today. You know, we have this thing and I'm not, and I'm not saying this is pro Pacheco or anti Pacheco. We have this thing where we're like, if NFL coaches don't know, you know, how are we expected to know if NFL coaches can't figure out what players to draft? How are we expected to know if they don't know who's good? How do we know who's good? But those, then those same people say, well, Isaiah Pacheco can't be good. He, they drafted him in the seventh round. Well, it's like, well, hold on a minute. Like they can't be wrong about Isaiah Pacheco. Maybe Isaiah Pacheco should have been a third, third round pick. Maybe right. he should have been a first round pick. You know, if we don't know, we don't know. We have to stay consistent. So the seventh round stuff I get to me, the seventh round stuff, all that means to me is how the teams view that player at draft time. Once he gets in there, if he's smashing and now if he's now, if he's behind, you know, uh, depending on the team, but if he's in, Cleveland buying two or three really good running backs, or he's on certain teams where they're already loaded. I get it. But Kansas city, man, CEH is the first running back to never smash for Andy Reed. You got Ronald Jones, you know, they're talking about, he might not even make the team. I mean, Pacheco in the fifth is crazy, but Pacheco where he's going here uh, in the 12th, fine put him in there again it might only be a week if he gets it's a 12th round pick we 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 interviewed people who won tournaments last year who cut every single player from the 12th to the 20th round with the exception of a kicker like if you pick him in the 12th round and he gets cut in two weeks fine but what if he's their third down back what if he's their pass catching back they've been you know he's been looking great catching the ball running full speed you know people like oh they're only camp highlights well if we're going to make fun of ronald jones every time he drops the ball then we got to upgrade people like Isaiah Pacheco when they're running out routes on linebackers and looking great doing it. So that, that, that that's my thing. You don't want to get carried away. It's still, you still have, he still has to fit into that archetype of running back in the range that you're taking him. You know, how, how, what do you see his potential outcomes being, you know? So um, I'm okay with him in the 12th, 11th, 10th, depending on the build and depending on what you're looking to do. I love this team seven who took him Cole Sheen then he took Ronald Jones two rounds later because the shine is off Jones and you take Pacheco. I mean, Jones is sort of a, I don't know, dummy play at that point. I don't mean like dumb as in not smart, but just sort of a default kind of play after that. And for that team to do that after Pacheco makes a lot of sense to me. Like you just get, you get the one that survives if it's not CEH and it's usable in lineups. So I think that's really good. You know, I, I could talk about that topic for hours. Um, what the coaches' incentives are, what the GM and the organization's incentives are can be different. And another very much pivotal factor in that is what are the team's goals? And I think the most interesting thing about the Pacheco situation in Kansas City is, like, that's that's the Chiefs. That's the Super Bowl contending team. So 
they're not at all going to be here for development, you know? And if you right. have a guy like this who is sort of shiny and interesting, but he can't help you this year, he goes to the practice squad at best, or he's cut, and then he becomes somebody else's story because you just can't do it. You have, you know, a, a good running back in place, and you just go from there. The Chiefs don't have that, though. They don't have a running back that's demonstrated that he can really play. I think Edwards Hilaire is good, but who knows what the Chiefs think? That's where you get to that point. And, and the draft capital point doesn't matter as much as it did two years ago or last year even. Like, this is a first-round pick. They can't waste it. So you, you want to consider the incentives of all the people making decisions. And even, you know, team by team, that varies. Ownership. Dallas, you know, in terms of ownership's decision-making power versus other teams like Green Bay where there's like, that's zero. And, you know, you can't always know what the truth is in that way, but it's worth analyzing and considering. I think, you know, again, what this team did in this draft, Team 7, was brilliant. You know, you get to that point, you have the, he got all those receivers and Josh Allen and then was still in a position where, you know, he, he sacrificed tight end, but all right, exactly what you just laid out, Adam. Like at this point, I can just take shots. And so Pacheco is the exact, you know, personification of that at that point. And if he makes it, holy cow, I mean, this this team is in great shape. Tight end notwithstanding, I don't know how that ended, but, you know, you decide to stream uh, at that point, even in, you know, a managed league like this, he took three at the bottom. You know, I think that uh, that really works. So um, that's how I feel. I think, you know, trying to figure that out, it can be moot. It can be impossible to know the answer. But what are the coach's incentives? What kind of urgency does that coach have to win? Uh, GM, owner, what kind, how good is the team? Then you get to the situation, offensive line, and the rest, and you put it all together. And so where that lands for me in terms of Pacheco and the Chiefs is go for it. Yeah, exactly. I mean, Pacheco offers something to on this team on this team that nobody else offers at the running back position. He's he has a fourth. He runs a four three whatever 40 sub four, four 40. Like CEH is not fast. Like, like that CEH is going to get what your offensive line blocks for him. Um, he's fine in the passing game, but they don't really pass to him. Um, and so Pacheco gives them that speed that they, you know, they lost Tyree kill. They need more team speed. So again, it's not even about like people trying to start sound smarter than other people. It's what are the chiefs doing? They're putting him in with the first team offense. Like that, don't, don't get mad. Don't get mad at people for drafting him. Get mad at if, you know, the, they're just following what the chiefs are doing. So, um, I sure. think it's, you know, I think it's, I think, I think it's fine. I think Pacheco's fine. Don't, don't go crazy. Don't start drafting him in the, in the fifth or sixth round. Cause a, you don't really have to, you can get him later on in the, I mean, he's creeping up for sure, but you can still get him in the, in the eighth round. Um, depending on what format you're, you're, you're in. The eighth is probably the peak of where I would take him because now you're in like Tony Pollard range. And I don't, you know, I think his absolute ceiling is Tony Pollard. Um, but uh, but yeah, that's 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 just it. All right. So um, my turn. Yeah. Talk about your, 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 your turn. Now, I have, I'm of two minds right here because I know I used the fabulous and spectacular draft sharks war room for this draft. It was midnight. We had just mm. gotten done with the invitational. We had the 
the round table the next morning. I know I did. You and I have talked about how we've noticed with the Draft Sharks War Room, they want us in the running back mode more often than maybe we're comfortable with, but that doesn't yeah. make us right them wrong at all. And I, I wouldn't even think of that. So because it was so late, I knew I wanted to defer to the projection, not the projections, the, the, the yeah. recommendations from the Draft yeah. Sharks War Room more than I would have, you know, at one o'clock in the afternoon. So that's what got me. <laughs> this is going to sound bad. That's what got me to Gibson. I knew uh, at that <laughs> point. Um, I think on my own, I would not have done that. And, you know, Gibson in round six, right now, that sounds rough, you know? Isn't that, uh, is, is, isn't that crazy that round six sounds sounds rough right now for, for Gibson? Yeah, and there is a pretty reasonable chance that it will seem ridiculous in three weeks or even one week to have thought that. Right. Like, who knows if Robinson is actually good? They're talking tough about Gibson, the punt team thing today. Like, none of it, the fumbles, everything sort of sounds and feels bad, but I think he's still their best guy by miles. And, you know, what have I said on this show many times to you? I just want to shake Washington. Yeah. But let's let's not have coaches making half a million dollars or a million dollars who think that the, the fact that he fumbled is some sort of a analytics-based reason to bench him, like Scott Turner was talking today. It's just idiotic. So he should play. I mean, you just have to trust that, and if you lose, you lose. My third running back in this draft was Antonio Gibson around six, and I, I want to be uh, hopeful on that. If, if you're still drafting – like tonight or this week, you're getting them two rounds later, and like, Ugh. okay, fine, great, right? Do it. Yeah, I took him in a I took him in a high stakes event last night at the nine two as my RB three. At that point, it doesn't even matter. Like you're now now you're taking him in the, you know, now you're taking him in the Daryl Henderson kind of range anyway. I mean, Damian Pierre, right. like that's where you're taking him in that range anyway. So it's like, uh, yeah, I mean. It's just, we don't know, and this is kind of a, a, I don't want to say galaxy brand, like a bigger kind of view. Like we're dealing with people and we're dealing with people who are dealing with people. So like, we don't know, like today, oh, he was, he was on the special teams, the punt team, whatever that gets tweeted out. It goes all over the internet. And then later on in the day, he's, he's, he's doing the walkthrough with the ones. It's like, we don't know. Maybe, maybe they wanted to punish him for fumbling and now he's back with the ones. Maybe like, right. Maybe, right. maybe he gave the coach the stink eye and he, they made him like, we don't know. We just right. don't know. But what we kind of do know is that he's probably the most talented back on the team. And I know they brought in a third, a, a, a third round running back who scored on a goal line carry. Um, I know, I know that, but until I see uh, that it's actually happening, I mean, there were people are referencing Ron Rivera talking about, Oh, we're going to make them, uh, Jonathan Stewart and D'Angelo Williams. Okay, well, if he's D'Angelo Williams, D'Angelo Williams had a 200-carry season with Jonathan Stewart there, 180 carries, 190 carries. If he's going to get me 200 carries in the ninth round with his pats catching upside, okay, absolutely. I think it's getting a little bit crazy, and I get it. I'm, I totally get people being down, especially if you didn't like him to begin with. He's on your do-not-draft list. But, man, I just I want to see it to believe. If you're going to let me have him in the eighth, ninth, ninth round, with the type of running backs that are getting there, um, I I will absolutely take him, um, especially if you're going heavy receiver early. 
Um, he's a nice RB two or RB three there with some with some big upside. I think. I have heard Ron Rivera compare <laughs> running backs to other running backs more often than I've heard Dwayne McFarland, Evan Silva, and Adam Crotworth do the same thing combined. Like he is just always. <laughs> and the one thing they all have in common is they're all guys he's coached. He just right. sounds just completely clueless every single. Oh, McCaff, he's the new McCaffrey. Here we are two years later. We don't know if he's going to return punts or block. Like it's just, it's just a mess. I know. And he is the worst coach in the league for trying to take, well, maybe not the worst because there are probably 10 others just like him, but you know, trying to take anything actionable from what he says. Uh, just, you know, it's just been driving me crazy for 20 years on the radio, you know, with coaches talking about, you know, Sean McDermott after the game against Indianapolis is, oh, we Case wants those plays back, and so do I. And we got to make sure he includes himself in that. Like, he he wants interceptions from a preseason game back. As if anybody remembers one thing that happened in the preseason last year or any other year. It just uh, – Unless it's an 82-yard so frustrating. Then, it, then it's I mean, etched in your mind. Our game is trying to be right and trying to help people and analyze this stuff and get to the bottom. And coaches make that so hard because they have none of the uh, same incentives. They, have, they even have sort of opposite incentives, trying to mislead and deceive. And Rivera might go have a cigar in the back after the press conference is over. Like, is any any other running back I've ever coached that I didn't think of mentioning today? Like, it's just <laughs> it might be all a joke to him. Or, you know, it's not even that sophisticated and it's whatever. It's more embarrassing. But anyway, talk Gibson, to me about, you know, go get it. Talk to me about Claypool Pickens. I know we've talked about them at nauseum, but now they're kind of flip flop. I did a draft the other night where they were flip flopped. It was Pickens and then Claypool two to two rounds a- after that. Are you still now you got you, you had them both here, Claypool and Pickens. If you did do it again, would you, would you flip flop them or you, do you still think it's uh, uh, that, that order? I don't know if I would have picked. So Claypool is nine, three and Pickens is 11, three. Yep. And that was probably even early for Pickens, but I don't think I necessarily would have picked Pickens at 9-3. I would never have picked Claypool tonight. Like okay. I, I've got I've got a ton of him. Yeah. And if you're drafting a lot, you know, it's you sort of you feel it. It's at the point now where you wonder, like, is he is he in trouble because of how Pickens looks? And every day there's more on your feet about Pickens. So I would not want them both. I have them both here. I don't think Claypool's a cut. Claypool could be really difficult to navigate in these tournament redraft leagues if Pickens is really good because they probably don't have a good quarterback. Who knows what Deontay Johnson amounts to? Who knows what Najee Harris amounts to? And then you have this, it could be just like last year, where you have this athlete stud in Claypool, but I don't know. You know, maybe he's on TikTok or maybe Pickens is playing in front of him or maybe, right. you know, just you could get just different things could make you, I mean, never want to start him. And then you right. get into a season, you know, you end up with your one and three or two and three or something like that. And then you have to make a move or there's some other guy that is hot or was dropped and that could get really uh, tricky. So I do not like having them both. Um, I don't know why I do. But I feel like it's overall a good thing because it got me Pickens and 11. I mean, that's the guy you want right now, I think. 
Sure. And I, and I get it. And again, with these formats where if you don't get a ton of receivers that you like early, you just kind of keep taking them there and you're like, Hey, who's the best receiver here. Okay. I'm going to go Pickens, regardless if I have Claypool. Um, you know, I've been reading recently, you know, the the deep ball is back in the Steelers offense. Now it hasn't been in there for years because, <laughs> because their quarterback couldn't do it. You know, the threat of the deep ball is back. The deep ball is back. Pickens is another guy like, Hey, listen, we're in this for the ROI. If you're doing mid stakes, high stakes, high volume, you're in it for the ROI. You're in it to make money, but you're in it to have fun too. And just the idea of taking Pickens, like I've been in on Pickens since the minute he was drafted a lot. I know a lot of sharp people were, um, and to have him on my fantasy team there, you know, like you said, Claypool is another stupid celebration away from get from getting benched and put in the doghouse. Um, injuries to him or Deontay Johnson. I mean, there are so many avenues to where Pickens can absolutely smash. And if he comes out and has an amazing half of football or one amazing game, I mean, you're going to, you're going to be so happy that you took him in the 11th round. And I'm, I was in a slow draft main event. We were, and I, I was on the clock. We were driving back from, from, uh, from, from the expo. And I was in another draft and it was like, man, I really want Pickens here. And you and Lou were like, well then just take, I mean, it's a half round early round early, whatever. Just take it, bet on the talent, take the guy that you want. And that's kind of what Pickens is like, but then I also understand like, Hey, there are also paths to him not doing much. There are paths to Claypool and Johnson are both healthy. You've got Najee, you've got Fryer Muth. You have a quarterback that isn't really that great. So I understand the risks that come with Pickens, but I also understand the reward and um, he's, you know, he's absolutely worth wide receiver 58 because he could end up as, if with the right things happen, he can end up as a wide receiver too. Yep. So this team is just quickly at him. I mean, Cup at 103. Then uh Fournette and Connor. I want to get running backs in again. You know, I'm using the war room. I'm trying to yep. be efficient here. It's after midnight. And <laughs> then the thought was, you know. The, the instinct is yellow after that, wide receiver after that, but I strayed from that, obviously. Waller, Gibson, then Kyler. So I think I'm behind at receiver. It would be nice if Will Fuller stuck his head out of the sand at some point <laughs> and we knew where he was. But I'm thin at receiver for sure. And receiver is tougher to get done on waivers. You know, running back, it's kind of obvious, it seems, by September you have a couple of new people that because of an injury or whatever – end up um, being valuable, but at receiver, I think that's harder to do. More guys are drafted and, you know, just all the different reasons. Six rookies, six receivers in the first round versus zero running backs. There's team incentive. So I don't know. I mean, Waller and Albert O is maybe excessive at tight end. Murray and Lawrence, I didn't need two quarterbacks necessarily. You have three, but we're not talking about (laughs) you right now. Um, I don't hate this team, but I certainly don't love it. Yeah, no, I get it. And a lot of times uh, I come out of, I come out of leagues where you have to start for three receivers and I don't like my team because it's just, you can get caught up at the back end of a run. You can, you, you know, you slip up and take the wrong position at the wrong time and get caught. Like it just, it just happens. And it's usually not about like the players that we pick. It's about the structure of the team right? because um, that's kind of what we can, we can control our structure more than we can control if a player is good or bad. So when we come out with a structure that we, that we don't like now, speaking of structure, I love this thing on the FFWC here where they've got your 
your the structure of your team at the top with the different numbers. I'm the yep. only one with the three five eight two structure. Okay, so I'm 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 definitely going to be different <laughs> here. The three five eight two structure for the win. Um, but uh, but no, I I think. And I, I totally get it. Um, I do come out of these FFWC sometimes like, man, I just, it, and it's usually receiver. It's never like, oh, I'm lacking a running back. So that's why I went into this going, you know, I'm going to pound receiver early, get two guys or three guys that I really, really like, and then just kind of figure it out at running back later. But the interesting thing you bring up about like receivers not being really available and waivers and stuff What's what's interesting to that is maybe not now, and maybe we can't even think of like, oh my god, is like this went there were a hundred and one receivers drafted. Like, man, is a hunt is receiver one fifteen uh really gonna pop that that high? It's about what it's about is about people dropping receivers and then them popping later, and you're able to pick them up. Like, think of like a maybe someone drops Jarvis Landry or somebody drops Michael Gallup, and then there's an injury on the receiving core, and then you're able to slide in and take um to pick Jarvis Landry up and use him or Michael Gallup. They're, they're not wait, willing to wait six weeks or whatever for him to come back. And then he comes back and he's, you know, the clear number, number two there, like stuff like that, I think is where you're just going to end up picking up a receiver that, that gets dropped by somebody at some point. Um, and hopefully they can, they can be uh, uh, of significance to you. It's tough. I mean, I even know. by the first week, certainly by the first couple of weeks, Good players know, all right, what's the target rate, the target percentage, routes run, different things like that. And even if they don't have much in the way of catches and yards, they'll hang in there with them. And they have to have some particular reason to cut those guys. You're right. Like if you have five usable running backs and nine receivers, you're going to have to want to cut one of those receivers to catch up if your running backs aren't smashing early. So that's true. But this team will definitely lose. My team will not, you know, what what is it? Uh 14 weeks regular season. Yeah. No, it's not that many. It's not that many. Uh um, no, no, we're not, not we're not gonna be above five hundred. Oh, I don't know. Co- coach them up. You just gotta no, but but listen, I mean, culture. even if you culture, <laughs> that's right. But I I'm thinking too, like again, we want receivers in the flex, but if you get like Gibson pops, Cam Akers goes down. You have Henderson. Like you can still play bully ball with running back too. I mean, that's certainly possible. The reason why people don't like bully ball with running back is because they get hurt more. Um, they're more, more likely to, to bust, but that doesn't mean you can't draft a team that has an, running backs that don't get hurt for a year or they don't bust. Like maybe you drafted four of them that are good. There are other paths. It's just easier to do it with a lot of receivers, but um yeah, I mean Bateman could absolutely smash. I mean, we we love Bateman over at over at Draft Sharks, or you know, so um, there are other ways. There are other ways. AKA, anything can work. <laughs> anything can work. And it's, the, it's, it. it's the term. It's the phrase you use to somebody who's trying to ask you as an analyst expert. Oh, how do you think I did? Oh, well, anything can work. <laughs> you know, it's, it's funny. We were- yeah, we were talking about that. I was sitting around the draft. We did a draft at the, at the expo, and I'm sitting around going, "Yeah, that's right." Everyone's showing everyone their team, and everyone's l- likes each other's team. Like, well, right. there's some team that's going to be terrible, and there's something that's going to be really good. Like, it's just funny how everyone tries to be uh, so nice, and it's it's very nice that people are people are being nice. Oh, it like is. It. Anything so can work. Anything can work. <laughs> All right. Thanks for watching and listening, everybody. Adam and I will be at it tomorrow morning with Matt Schauf in the Draft Sharks Rock Vox studio, 11 o'clock. Actually, that's not a live uh, podcast, but it'll be on the afternoon. Not live. 
Not, right. not live, no. Look for no. it tomorrow afternoon. And um, then I'm going camping. After you're that, going camping. So. Well, it's glamping is what you're going. Listen. You're going glamping. I'll send you a picture of some uh, scrub brush <laughs> to make it That's right. appear authentic. <laughs> All right. Nice job, Adam. Nice being with you. Mike Shope, Adam Krautwurst. See you next week in the deep end. See you guys.